You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. say with all assurance, I know. Assurance is simply a positive declaration intended to give confidence. Assurance basically is a promise. As a Christian, we have the assurance of salvation given to us through Jesus Christ, something we all desperately need and we all want in our lives is that assurance. As Christians, it's easy to forget that we are given assurances and certainties guaranteed through Jesus. Today, Pastor Dave wants you to know that we can live each day with the promise of eternal life in heaven. Be assured through Jesus and follow the one who became human to feel our pain and carry the burdens of our sin. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 5 with today's edition of A Sure Hope. We are back in 1 John, and this is the first part of a series that I'm calling Blessed Assurance. We're going to be looking at specifically chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. So if you have your Bibles, please open them up to the epistle of 1 John, chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. If you have found your way there, I will read aloud if you'd like to follow along silently, please. 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse 6. The apostle says, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And is the Spirit who bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. Shall we pray? Father, as we come now to your scriptures, difficult scriptures to ascertain what is being said here, many ideas, many, many thoughts on this subject, Lord, But Lord, we pray, Lord, that your spirit would guide us as we look to these scriptures and that we would get the one that best suits us because they all seem to fit someplace. They all seem to fit and all could are plausible to what the Apostle John is writing. The fact is, Lord, we don't know. Fact is, Lord, you know because the spirit inspired John to pen these words. So Lord, help us, Lord, now as we come Help us, Lord, to glean from these scriptures that which is 
on your agenda today that we might grow closer to you, that we might grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we might see him in everything that we do, and that we might be blessed because of this great and wonderful relationship that we have. So Lord, bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you are familiar with one of America's founding fathers by the name of Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin wore many hats. He was a writer, printer, a political philosopher, a politician, a postmaster, a scientist, an inventor, a humorist, a civic activist, a statesman, and a diplomat. Interestingly enough, Ben Franklin seemed to believe that in life there were not many certainties. In fact, it was Ben Franklin who said, the only thing certain in life is death in Texas. You've probably said that a time or two, I don't know. But the point we're going to make today is that what was true for Mr. Franklin is not true for the Christian. The Christian knows that life holds many certainties because they are found in the Word of God. As a Christian, we can be certain of the spiritual truths that are found throughout God's Word. The Christian can say with all assurance, I know. Assurance is simply a positive declaration intended to give confidence. Assurance basically is a promise. As a Christian, we have the assurance of salvation given to us through Jesus Christ, something we all desperately need and we all want in our lives is that assurance. Making sure that the readers had assurance of salvation was extremely important to the Apostle John. It was extremely important to all the writers of the New Testament. It should be extremely important to you and me. In fact, it was the purpose that John wrote his gospel. In John 20, verses 30 and 31, says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but... These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by leaving, you may have life in his name. This was John's purpose for writing his gospel, that you would believe, that you would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, and that by believing that, you would have life in his name. I love that. I love that. It seems like a long time ago when we began our study in 1 John. But we noted that one of the reasons John wrote his epistle was to give the believer assurance that believing in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you can have eternal life and you can continue in that eternal life. We're going to study that when we get to verse 13 of chapter 5. It says those very words. But the believer's assurance was something that John zeroed in on. Something that he felt necessary to get his readers and us to realize, to believe. Why? Because it's true. We know that the truth sets you free. We know that we believe the truth and we are freed because of it. 
John knew that the more we believe this, the more we would live our lives according to the Scripture. And when we live our lives according to the Scripture, John says, our joy becomes complete. Our joy becomes full. Because we're doing what God has commanded. We're doing the things that God wants us to do. We're living by faith, and nothing but faith pleases God. That your joy may be full. This assurance was so important to the Apostle John that he uses the words to know 39 times in these short chapters of this epistle. 39 times. In fact, he uses the word to know eight times in chapter 5 alone. So you don't think it was important, but what I really found interesting is this. John uses two different Greek words for the verb to know. The first one is a familiar word, gnosko. We, we all have heard this word before, gnosko. It means to perceive or to understand. But when he comes to today's verses, when he's looking to give the reader assurance, he uses the word ito which carries the meaning to be sure. That's great. To know with confidence, to know with assurance. And I think this is something that we all need. We all need to have this assurance. See, John wanted his readers, and I want you today to have this blessed assurance that we are truly children of God by believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. We read that in chapter 5, verse 1, when we studied it. And as we've studied through this epistle, John has given us many, many, many assurances. And I was going to tell you them all, but it would take a long time because I went back and I looked at all the assurances that John gave us in his epistle, and I came up with at least 35. These are assurances that John wants you to know. And these assurances, John has told us, makes it possible to live the life that is real. The real life that's built on these divine certainties are found solely in the person of Jesus Christ. And when we discover these certainties through reading God's word, through trusting in God's word, through trusting that it is the true, invaluable, infallible, inerrant word of God, we come to know that we know. We come into a place of certainty within our hearts. This is the place of peace. It's a place of comfort. It's a place resting because you can truly say, I know my Redeemer lives. And I know that I will stand with him one day. Just like Job said. I know. John wants you to have this assurance and I want you to have this assurance today. That you know that nothing can change your mind. As we enter into this last section of John's epistle, we discover five true principles, five true certainties on which we can build our lives and live our lives with all confidence and assurance. As we close out our study of 1 John, we're going to look at these certainties. We're going to look at these assurances that are guaranteed to us by faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And by believing in him, we may have life in his name. 
Today we're going to look at the first certainty that John discusses in verses 6 through 10. John presents the fact. He presents the fact as an eyewitness himself. And the fact is simple. Jesus is God. Jesus is God. Period. The deity of Jesus Christ is a cornerstone to the Christian belief. It is a cornerstone to our belief as Christians. There are many sects out there, many sects out there that question his deity or even deny his deity. And this is one of the false teachings that John was trying to come against. He was trying to come against this false teaching where people were denying the deity of Jesus Christ. Now, everybody likes fact check, especially on Facebook, right? Well, let me give you a fact check. To believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, therefore being equal to God, to believe that Jesus Christ is the second person of the Godhead, the second person of the Trinity, is basic to our Christian experience. It is Christianity 101. It is paramount. Cannot go further without reconciling this very fact that John is presenting to us today. Jesus is God. These verses today, John makes it very clear. You might be thinking, but how can we be sure? How can we know? How can we have that assurance that John is trying to tell us, Pastor? Even when we read through the gospel accounts, we see that Jesus' contemporaries called him a liar. And they called him a lunatic. They even called him a deceiver. Others suggested that he was some religious fanatic, a madman, or perhaps just another Jewish patriot wanted to overthrow the Roman government. What's interesting is that even the religious leaders, the ones who studied the scriptures with intent, the one who looked at the scriptures and studied them with all their might, look what happened in Matthew 26. In Matthew 26, in verses 62 through 65, Jesus is before the high priest. He is before the high priest. And, the high, and verse 62 says, And the high priest arose and said to him, Jesus do you answer nothing? What does these men testify against you? Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, son of God. Jesus looked at him and said in verse 64, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, Hereafter, you shall, see the power, you shall see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the power and coming on the clouds of heaven. This religious leader, this high priest, tore his clothes in disgust and accused Jesus of blasphemy because Jesus was saying he was God. Jesus was saying he was equal to God. The biggest critics of Jesus' time, the religious leaders, those who studied the scriptures, as I said, refused to believe that he had come from God. How many times did Jesus said, don't believe me by the words I say, believe me by the works I do. Look at the healings. Look at this. Look at that. Believe those. Where do you think they come from? 
The believers to whom John is now writing had been exposed to extreme false teaching. These false teachings were telling, these false teachers were telling the people that Jesus was merely a man. He was just a man. And that he became the Christ at his baptism. But when he went to the cross, the Christ left him. This would make Jesus merely a man and not God. But John refutes this claim. He presents three infallible witnesses to prove that Jesus is indeed God. The water, the blood, and the spirit. Now, before we go on, I find these scriptures difficult. And I'm not alone because most of the scholars that I studied found them difficult as well. They've been argued over. They have caused division in churches, brother against brother. And with that being said, I don't claim to have the answer. You can take either opinion and run with it, and it might fit. So we're not 100% sure what John was saying with these scriptures. Write that down, and when you see him, ask him. Oh, John. What in the heck were you meeting there, man? When we last studied in verse 5, the apostle said, Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He continues the thought in verse 6. Remember, there were no chapters, there were no breaks here. This was all one thought. He continues the thought in verse 6. It says, This is he, Jesus, who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not only by water, but by water and blood, he says. John makes it clear that the Jesus he's speaking about is not the Gnostic phantom that has been taught, who was so holy that he could have nothing to do with the world. The Jesus we must believe on is the Jesus that came by water and blood. The Jesus who was part of a real, material, flesh and blooded earth. In other words, this is the historical Jesus. This is the historical Jesus. And John returns to a theme that we've returned to numerous times in our study of this epistle. All the way back to number one. What was seen and heard and looked upon and handled, this was real stuff. This is real people, real things. Just like the water and blood are real, so is the coming of Son of God, Jesus Christ. What does this mean? Well, I'm going to give you the basic arguments or the basic thoughts about what it means, and you for yourself can choose which way you want to go. Some believe that John speaks of the water. He is speaking about our own baptism. And the blood speaks of receiving communion. And that John writes how Jesus comes to us in the two. The Christian sacraments of baptism and communion. This is held by the likes of John Calvin and Martin Luther. Guzik writes this, quote, If this is the case... It doesn't add up to the historical perspective John had when he wrote, came by water and blood. It seems to write of something that happened in the past, not something that is ongoing, unquote. The next argument comes from Augustine, or Augustine. 
He believed that the water and the blood describes the water and blood that flowed from Jesus' side when he was stabbed with the spear in John 19, verse 34. In John 19, verse 34, but one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. This was an important event for the apostle John. Why? Because he saw it. John was there. He saw this. But immediately after this description of blood and water, John adds this to his gospel in 35. And he who has seen testified, and his testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe. This is John writing an afterthought to his script here. Yet, if this was John's meaning... It's still a little unclear how it can be said that Jesus came by water and blood. Still, others believe that the water spoke of Jesus' first birth, being born of the waters of the womb, and his blood speaks of his death. If this is the case, John would be essentially writing, Jesus was born like a man and died like a man. He was completely human not some super spiritual being that had real no contact with the material world, which is what the Gnostics were teaching. Probably the best explanation. They all have merit. Don't get me wrong. They all have merit. But probably the best explanation is the oldest one recorded in Christian understanding, and it was recorded by the Christian Tertullian. John means the water of Jesus' baptism and the blood of his crucifixion. And that's what we're looking at here. When Jesus was baptized, he was not baptized like the other people being baptized at that time. He wasn't baptized in the repentance of sin. Why? He didn't have any sin. He was sinless. But because he wanted to identify with the humanity, when he came out of the water, it was like he was saying, I'm one of you. I'm doing this to identify with you. What else happened at Jesus' baptism? Words from heaven. Father speaks. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Likewise, when Jesus went to the cross and died, he didn't die because he had to. Death had no power over him. He laid down his life to identify with sinful humanity and to save us from our sin. When he came by blood, it was so that he could stand in our place as a guilty sinner and take the punishment for our sin that we so justly deserved. The Apostle Paul makes mention of this in his letter to the Corinthian church. In 2 Corinthians, specifically in chapter 5, in verse 21, it's a very famous verse. You've heard it before. Paul writes this, For he made him... For God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him, Jesus. You are a Our time with you has come to an end today on A Sure Hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John 
In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope.